Welcome to the Immerse Podcast, where we look at God's Word to see why it matters for us today. Welcome back to the Immerse Podcast. My name is Keith, and I'm joined by James. And today, James, is the 25th episode. I thought you were talking about the date. That's a quarter. Two weeks. (laughs) That's a quarter. Quarter of a century, quarter of a millennia. I don't know. It's a quarter. It's 25. It's a big number. How many do you think it'll take for us to get through? So it's episode 25 on chapter 10. Right. The thing is, do we have to break up the chapters? Or I mean, if if we're just going chapter by chapter, it's not so long, but... So how many episodes do you think we'll take to get through? I have no idea. Where are we going next? Where are we going next? Mm. After Revelation? Yeah. What, what else are we immersing through? I don't know. Maybe Ooh. Hebrews, Ooh. Ephesians. Ooh. They're very Keithy books. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there a, is there a bi- book of the Bible that's more Keithy or more Jamesy than another book? Uh, that's the question du jour. You often throw out Ephesians. I love Ephesians. But I hate to say that I love a book of the Bible because it's almost as if I don't love the other books. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I kind of did that this week when we were talking about Bible translations. Right. And from the next sermon series, we're going to use this particular translation. And I made great pains of saying, look, there's nothing wrong with what we use now, but I want to use this translation because. Right. Because, yeah, when you say you like something, automatically people think that you don't like everything else, which is just not true is it yeah anyway sorry sure. uh, all that to say is there a is there a, a, a book uh, i don't know we'll have to check and yeah, see we'll have to look for some suggestions whether the listeners want true well james today we're in revelation chapter 10 and i believe it's my turn to read so i'll read through this revelation chapter 10 and then we can uh see what god is saying through this immerse into it so revelation 10 um and i'm going to start in chapter 1 through 11 Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice, like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded, and when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth what is in it, and the sea what is in it, that there would be no more delay. But that in the days of the trumpet, call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Wow, full chapter. 
Wow. Have to wipe the sweat <laughs> off my brow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Working so hard. Yeah. Not a, not a massive chapter, is it? Not a very long chapter. Yeah. Um, but lots of stuff going on. Yeah, such as uh, verse 1, I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven uh, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head and his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. Uh, who could this be? Well, people say that, I mean, I'm just going by things that I've read in the past, James, people say that it could be Jesus, right? That's, that's one possibility. But I would immediately think of the timeline. So right now we're kind of in the middle of the tribulation period. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, as we know, is going to come back to open the thousand year kingdom at the end of the tribulation. So it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit to me chronologically that that would be Jesus. It just kind of popped back in the middle. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what, what other, do you think there's other evidence about it not I being Jesus? I would suggest that this is the Archangel Michael. Yeah. I would say the because, same. Because uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, we read, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. Uh, so Michael appears in the midst of, of trouble. And then in verses 6 and 7 of Daniel 12, so someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, uh, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I had the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. Uh, so it just kind of fits with where he is here. Uh, we, back in Revelation, uh, is it verse 2? He set his right foot on the sea, left foot. So he's kind of hovering above. So it's not a super-duper conclusive case, but you kind of piece these things together. Right. And then, yeah, is it Jesus? Well, this might angel that we see has a little scroll open in his hand. So people think, well, is it Jesus? It's the same as chapter 5, verse 1. And apparently, a Greek scholar though I am not, apparently it's a different word used in chapter 5, verse 1. Huh. Uh, it might be the same English word. But it's uh, a different Greek in word. English Bible. But apparently it's a, very, it's a different Greek word. Whereas uh, Revelation 5, 1, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back. Uh, and here it's the same, uh, same English word at least. Uh, he had a little scroll open in his hand. Now if we said months ago that that was possibly you know, <laughs> God's will and plan for humanity, here he's got a little scroll open in his hand. Uh, I'm not sure if you would <laughs> condense God's will and plan for humanity into a tiny... Anyway, again, right. you piece all those things together. It's probably a cumulative case that for me it's probably not Jesus and it's more likely uh, the Archangel Michael. But that's just, yeah, it's not a, doesn't say Conclusive does it? yeah, case, it's not right. Conclusive. And I'd be very wary of kind of reading stuff that's not explicitly said, but I think there's, a, there's enough of a cumulative case that you right. read it and think, yeah, it doesn't, it's not a crazy conclusion. Right. Think. Yeah, Michael. But I'll tell you something that's uh, great about this angel is that there is a lot of descriptiveness. And the thing that I love about the Bible, and I say this so much, James, is that um, the Bible reinforces the Bible. And the Bible describes things so clearly. 
that that's unmistakable on what the meaning is. Um, maybe not necessarily for you know some things like who is this angel, but like for example, this angel uh, having a rainbow on his head. I mean, we know from the Old Testament that the rainbow is a sign of the faithfulness of God, that the world will never be flooded again like it was in the days of Noah. So uh, just right off the bat, when I'm thinking about this angel, I'm thinking, man, that's, that's great, God's faithfulness. The Old Testament promises, the New Testament promises, which we have loads of. As a Christian, as a believer, a Christ follower, I'm living in the light of Christ's mm. promise to me. And so that's an encouraging thing. Um, and then moving on, the face like the sun, we all remember when Moses went up to the mountain and came back and his face was blinding. Yeah. And, you know, but it, it's kind of convicting when you think about that because you hear the description of the angel because obviously he's been in God's presence. But the question, I don't know, when I read this, James, I was immediately thinking, man, how much time have I spent in God's presence and how much am I glowing to others? I mean, if somebody sees me who doesn't know Jesus, do they see my face shining? And that's an indication of how much time I'm spending in God's word. So maybe that's wow. a good case. Maybe that's a good case for memorizing God's word. So maybe we should memorize the book of Revelation. <laughs> there so next time you come in, I should <laughs> comment on how glow, how glowing you are. Right. Well, at least <laughs> I think the 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 meaning is there. We should we should seek it. No, yeah. no, you mean I really never really thought about that. That would people say that you you're just unless you're kind of sweaty or pregnant, you know, like you're <laughs> you're glowing or you're radiating. Sweaty or pregnant. You know what I mean when you look. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at somebody and think, you know, do, are you radiating, shining because you spent time in <laughs> God's presence? Well, I'll never forget one wow. time my father-in-law had has a little sign on the front door that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very typical thing for Christians to put things on the door like that. And so I came to my father-in-law's house one time and I had a, a friend with me who was not a believer. And he immediately opened the door and he said, whoa, this is a very religious home. And I said, really, why do you say that? He says, I don't know, I can just tell it's very clean and it's very together. And I was immediately thinking, man, I wonder what your house is like. But then I was thinking, I wonder if there's a sense in that, you know, God's presence is here through his servants. Is there a sense that we're projecting that? But the bigger, more convicting point is, are we not projecting it? If we're not spending time in God's word, if we're not going to church, if we're not doing the spiritual disciplines that are part of our life, mm -hmm. then obviously we're not close to the power source and we're not going to get that energy and that power from Christ. And so it's kind of a convicting thing. I don't know if it's convicting to you, but it makes me think, man, I need to spend more time in God's word. Hmm. You never really considered that, that are we shining or are we not shining as in Moses and Michael with their shining faces? Yeah, interesting. So then the there's just two other quick descriptions. Uh, feet like pillars of fire. Um, and, and I was thinking about God's judgment and how he's unmovable. Mm -hmm. And then uh, another point of conviction to me was, uh, wow, when I'm among a group of people, water cooler conversation. And I think you said in the last podcast that we can't say that word anymore because of COVID-19, right? There is no more water cooler. No, there's no, no, there's no we need gathering. A, we need a new saying. Yeah. A Zoom, we could replace water cooler with <laughs> on your Zoom talk. A Zoom Zoom talk, but but when you're when you're around people and they're discussing maybe something that is not uh, uplifting or they're gossiping or they're anything like that, are we unmovable? 
Are, are we trying to be like Christ? Are we unmovable like he is? Are, are our feet like fire? Just a convicting point when I was reading this, I thought about that. And uh, it's, it's kind of a good takeaway uh, from this text. Um, and then the last thing, my observation here, James, is that the, the book was open. Um, that he had in his hand. So it seems like at some point in the past it had been opened. Because you know, as we've been reading these last chapters, James, I don't know if you have insight on this, but the, the, the scrolls were opened in a ceremony or something like this. And here we have a little book that's already open, right? It's already open. It's not opened, it's already open. And I didn't refer to the Greek and consult... Uh, commentaries and stuff, but I just kind of caught that, wow, it's already opened. So uh, one other convicting point I have here is is the Word Full of God. Full of convictions today. Yeah, I know. I just I read this description of this angel, and I thought, man, these are all good points. That is the Word of God open to us. Um, I know that when you visit some people's homes, uh, you see a Bible kind of opened on a stand or something in their home, but that's a great representation of our lives are we abiding with Christ in that we understand that he's the vine and we're the branches and that abiding takes place by us spending time in the word of God? Do you think, uh, do you think that means they do genuinely read it or do you think they want people to think that they read it? Well, it could probably be a bit of both. I mean, who knows the mind of people? There's, there's probably people with good motives and not good motives. And it's a decorative piece. Or you, you see the signs or the, the pictures on the wall or... The things that have an open book, uh, but but the representation there would be: Is the Word of God open in our lives? Are we abiding? Is it constantly working through us? When you have a bad circumstance, when you're on the freeway and you get cut off, and you get triggered, like I do sometimes, am I thinking a God thought? Am I thinking a Bible thought? Or am I thinking? something mm. evil you know, it's it's a convicting point and that's just the description of the angel i don't know if you got any um thoughts about the description of the angel or anything <laughs> not, to, not to rival your convictions <laughs> this morning no absolutely not but yeah there's there's a, there's a lot going on with the angel but then the angel um proceeded to uh take a stand on the uh, there's a description of the angel taking one foot on the land one foot on the sea um, yeah, it's very authoritative. 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 It's full of authority. Yeah, Land it's full of authority. It's very all-encapsulating, isn't it? Stands there over everything, over all. He calls out, seven thunder sounded. John's about to write, but then he's told, hang on a minute, don't. Don't write this down. Which is interesting in a book called Revelation. The, book, the whole point of the book that starts with the revelation of... So yeah, the first line, the revelation of Jesus Christ could as well accurately be translated as a disclosure of Jesus Christ. So he's, right. it's a book whose explicit purpose is to share some things with people. And yet here, uh, I was about to write it down, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. So there's right. still some stuff that we're just never never going to know. And that doesn't mean you can hold on to that every time you don't know. I can't be bothered to find something out. Oh, well, don't worry. It must be one of the seven thunders. Can't find it out. Never going to learn it. But it's interesting that in a book whose explicit purpose is to share some stuff with you, that here John's told, I was, you know, was going to write it down, but then he was told, don't. 
That's, well, that's a good point, yeah. James, because I've heard this so often from pastors or from people, uh, Christ followers in my life. You know, I've got so many questions when I get to heaven. Oh my gosh! Don't get Have you heard that? On that? Yeah. And then I, I and then I thought, you know when what? When I get to heaven, God's got some answering to do. Yeah. Like, no, He doesn't. <laughs> well, well, not only that, there is a lot recorded in God's Word, but just a casual reading or just a, the, the and this is the whole thing about this particular podcast today that it really made me think about God's Word. How do we treat God's Word? And I'm not talking about putting the actual book higher in the house or I'm not talking about like you know having a ceremony when you open God's word I'm talking about how do you treat God's word as literature you know when you read a good novel or something that you're interested in your heart is fully engaged in it and it makes me think how is our heart fully engaged in God's word so that we're looking for those answers or do we just quickly read a devotional you know and then say well you know my life I've got some questions for God when I get to heaven and I'm thinking like research the answers because a lot is really found in God's word there's there's a Mm. lot of there's a lot that we read through that we'll find out more on the other side but there's certainly a lot to be known now through a careful study of God's word but yeah I think you're right just on that people do say you know when I get to heaven God's got some explaining to do and you think no no (laughs) No, he doesn't. You read it in Job. I was thinking about in Job. Uh, there's this passage in Job 35 where um, Elihu answers and says, Do you think this to be just? Do you say it's my right before God that you ask what advantage have I? How am I better off? There's this idea that you're going to get there and ask a lot of questions. But <laughs> it's just... Who are you think? Who are who are we to stand before God and question? Right. And most often, you hear those people. Sorry, most often the people who say stuff like that seem seem to be either outright unbelievers or not yet believers. So first, you think, hang on a minute, why would you want to go and question somebody you've avoided or rejected your whole life? What makes you think you're going to get? there anyway right and then you know you can't you're not gonna it's not you it's not your right to reject him your whole life but then stand before him and argue your case not demand explanations from uh, other stuff or bargain your way into it into eternity and whatnot but yeah it drives me mad sometimes you think, <laughs> oh when i you know when you hear stuff like when, you know, when i get to heaven god has got some serious questions to answer hang on a minute like nothing about your life is showing that you're remotely interested in spending eternity with him. So why do you think first, why are you going to get there and have the right to stand? And then, well, you know what, how, how do you think that's going to go? But that's the honest explanation or the, the honest question. But I feel like as Christians, we can sometimes have that posture in our life in that we come to the table thinking that we are the creator. You know, I think several years ago there was like a contemporary Christian song, a Stephen Curtis Chapman, God is God and I am not, or something like that. And if you, you listen to the words of that song and you kind of think about the theme, it's really like all about who God is and not about who we are. And the more we understand his glory and his majesty, uh, his salvation through Jesus, the more we understand that, the more we're kind of connected to his plan versus like, hey God, will you help me out with my plan here? 
And there's even people mm-hmm. that are pastors or in ministry who are all about, hey, this is my plan. I'm mm-hmm. getting everybody involved in my plan. And it's, it's mm-hmm. quite a scary place to be when you're talking about the God of the universe who holds the keys, the, the perfect majesty, and we're going to compare ourselves to that. Mm-hmm. So I think we can do it. I think there, there's an honest way to do it as a non-believer, like you're discussing, but there's actually a posture, maybe not the words, but a posture, and that we come to read the Bible, and our motives aren't really pure. We're not really looking for the answer. We're kind of bringing our world into it. Well, let me reference a third book. Well, I, I was trying to prompt you, James, <laughs> to give a quote. So. Oh, well, let me, <laughs> let me reference a third book that we've recently put out. Uh, called Pray Big Prayers. And it was just a, another series of devotionals that we wrote that then somebody has very kindly compiled into a short book for us. And it was about, when you were talking then about the posture, and you're often told as a Christian you to live, live to the glory of God. And you know, like whatever you're doing, uh, do it all to the, glory, all of God. the glory of God right. kind of thing. But, so we read in, in scripture that everything God does is done in precisely the way that glorifies himself the most. So he doesn't live to glorify you or to fulfill your wishes. He lives and he conducts himself and his affairs and therefore the affairs of the, the world in a way that glorifies him the most and then that posture as a believer of coming to him in in prayer in particular it makes you wonder that you know are we truly are we really praying for god to glorify himself in and through our lives or are we praying to god to glorify himself by making our lives comfortable successful and and prosperous well james and and to add to that um you know when you're in your late teens and you're trying to start your life off and you're not married yet and you're kind of thinking you know what's going to happen how's my life going to shake out um, something that was very meaningful to me about knowing the will of God when I was at that point was that God's will is that you glorify him. Mm-hmm. And it's through that, I believe it's in the book of Psalms or Proverbs, teaches us that he gives us the desires of our heart. So God created the desires within us to do whatever we do, whether it's preaching or teaching or whatever it is in our lives, being an engineer, whatever it is, mm-hmm. God is glorified through that. But it's only by putting our faith in him and magnifying him. I think the same ideas in Matthew 6 when Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you know, if you take care of God's kingdom, he's going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because so, you taking care of God's kingdom is putting that first and glorifying that first. Right. Not, Priorities right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, James, man, this is a, this is a rich day. A couple day. of tangents there. Yeah, no, no, this is <laughs> good. Well, also, as we move on, James, and uh, down in verse uh, 7... Um, well, actually, at the end of verse six, um, I, I like how it says that there would be no more delay. And I don't, I don't know if that's yeah, about I think things are moving. This eschaton, the last, the end time, like however you want to refer to what is going on here, like it's in motion and it's not stopping, is it? It's not like in a in a in another way. Yes, there have, have been six of seven trumpets sounded. Now there's a little interlude, time for repentance, and in chapter eleven it picks back up but within the the bigger picture like yeah things are moving and it's not it's not stopping is it yeah this big eschatological juggernaut (laughs) 
Wow, that is the quote of the day. If we had an Instagram page already <laughs> made, that would be a little quotation. This the eschatological, eschatological juggernaut. juggernaut is not stopping, is it? No. Can we do a t-shirt with that? Eschatological juggernaut. <laughs> Ask me. Get some mugs. <laughs> Coffee mugs. <laughs> yeah, it's not stopping yet. There'd be no more delay. And that, that and again, like you kind of led into then, that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, which is chapter 11, verse 15, uh, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Who They were all, weren't they, minor prophets, major prophets, prophesying about God's finished plan for the ages and his kingdom coming. And then he, he, John says that it's, it's happening. There's no more delay. When the seventh one, uh, the seventh, in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, it, the, this, this is going to happen. It's, yeah, This juggernaut is... Eschatological juggernaut. I'll tell you what, James, if you were one to, if you're listening to the podcast and you're like me and you kind of sometimes have to fight an obsession to look at world news like all the time on your smartphone, um, you know, news is very depressing. There's nothing, normally it's something horrible happening around the world and you kind of get enthralled in the news and the news is really about the fact that Satan's running to and fro and is not bound and um, judged 100% yet uh, at God's plan with no more delay to me that's an encouraging thing it's it's us as the psalmist did if David did Solomon all of these figures in the Old Testament waiting for that day when there will be perfect peace and God's judgment will happen towards evil and I don't know about you but that was encouraging when I said no more when I read no more delay I thought man I don't want any more delay. I want that to happen mm-hmm. now. I'm I'm really fed up with the lawlessness in the world, with the attitude of Satan using people to carry out his will um, and it not being perfect peace. But man, that's going to be an exciting day. Um, and then uh, the next thing, James, down in verse 7, but then in the days of the trumpet called to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. So, man, I don't know about you, James, but today in this text, I kept thinking about the Bible. Uh, You know, we read on and we we read that um, the the scroll that he's supposed to give John would be uh, bitter in his stomach and sweet like honey. Um, And the Old Testament in Psalm chapter 19, 9 and 10, it says, The commands to fear the Lord are right and endure forever. The judgments given by the Lord are trustworthy and absolutely just. They are greater value than gold and even a great amount of pure gold. They bring greater delight than honey, than even the sweetest of honey from a honeycomb. Psalm 19, 9 and 10. So the word of God, what is the position of God's word in my life? I don't know. This Maybe God has a message for me today about God's word, but maybe this could help someone listening as well. How valuable do you mm. make the words of God in your life? Mm-hmm. And not that you put up a little shrine and worship the book, but that you internalize the book and actually live out the commands of mm-hmm. God so that you can have a changed life. Yeah, I think it's, it's an idea that we've, that's come up before. Like Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1 and 3 talks about taking the word and putting it in your mouth and it's sweet like honey. And then interesting that here in the later, in the last days, which we've been in since Jesus rose, because that's the start of the end if that makes sense it was the first, he's the first of the new thing anyway so it's interesting that in ezekiel there's nothing i think let me just check i think there's, there's nothing mentioned about uh it's going to be sweet but then uh, it will turn bitter 
Now, not to lament and say that everything was perfect back then. Uh, eat what you find, eat the scroll and go, speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. And then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. So there's nothing about it's going to be bitter. sweet to take in, but bitter in your belly. Whereas here, John writes, I took this little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It doesn't say explicitly what it is, but it's in the hand of this angel who's been in the presence of God. So we can, right. again, reasonably conclude it's the, some kind of word from right. God. So he, he takes it and he eats it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth, just like Ezekiel. And we're, but, but, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I think, not to get too allegorical or kind of old, wise, and sagey, I think that speaks to, like you said, the position of the Bible, the word of God in people's lives today that people can make it really sweet and honey-like you know you open up Instagram and there's just verses ripped out of context yeah. put on a sunset background which are quite sweet and do make you feel better if you take them at, at face value you know like there's you know Jeremiah 29:11, Philippians 4:13, right. Romans the end of chapter 8 uh, you know, it's just, but it's all about so context. Yeah. yeah, but you take that in and it's quite sweet. But then when people really come to know it about what it's about and what they're about, and when you read some of the more difficult passages, I think it is a bit more bitter because like you said, it's convicting and it's challenging and it shows you how you're living in, against this kind of this biblical scriptural standard so on the one hand yep it's nice and sweet and you can make it nice and sweet but on the other hand when you really digest it and see what's really being said it is bitter because it's convicting to you and it's so what i hear you saying james is it's one level to read a little instagram philippians 413 it's a whole nother level to have the discipline to sit down and read the entire book of philippians and yeah. realize that in its context understand where paul was yeah and man that is a rich my gosh is the, the fourth book that's the most recent one we've published philippians oh great so you can read philippians 413 or you can read the passage that it's within and see that he is in prison yeah. and he is saying to the church at philippi where he is not because he's in prison in Rome, he's saying, look, thanks for sending me a gift to look after and take care of my needs. Uh, but what I'm more thankful about is that I've learned how to be rich, poor, have a lot, not have a lot, be honored, be stoned. Uh, and what I'm really pleased about is that you've, you've given, but mm. I've learned how to be content in all circumstances and yes. I can do that through the power of the risen Christ living in me. And then if you even kick back to chapter 2 where he talks about the example of Christ and Christ mm -hmm. didn't equate equality with man something to be grasped and then he goes on talking about the power of Christ and what mm -hmm. he did on the earth it really reinforces that point. So then 4.13 becomes powerful, mm -hmm. and it has become this little it ripped-out verse. It's so powerful. It's yes. so much more powerful in context yes. than it is out of context. Yes. So you can wear it as your eye black playing American football, <laughs> and then you're going to charge through the entire opposite team and you know score 12 touchdowns in a Super Bowl. Right. Or you know never miss a, a three-point shot playing basketball or whatever sporting metaphor you want to put it to. Right. And that's uh, That's... And that's not believing what the Bible says. That's playing make-believe with right. what the Bible says. That's not what it's talking about. Like These were real 
letters written from a real person to a real person yes. about a real something. Yeah. So it's like you said, it's so much more powerful when you read it properly. And you, <laughs> not a book of incantations and spells no, that you just cast out so that I can score my touchdowns exactly. or do whatever I want to do. I'm going to catch this ball because right. I can do all things through Christ who drives me. Like no, and that's that, for for for. If people have been really honest, that is bitter for them when they find out that their life verse doesn't mean what they're making it in their own mind right. to believe. And that's that's bitter, isn't it? That's putting it in, that's taking it in as sweet, but then actually it does turn bitter because you've you've got to <laughs> you've just got to start again. Yeah. Because that's not what it means. Sorry, getting a bit of a rant on a bit of a rant. Um, no, this is good, James. Context. I'll tell you. This is a great episode today to get into the Word of God in its context and to really internalize it. So I think that's a great closing point today. And man, what a, I want to rush out and start internalizing the Bible even more. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time, as you do, studying the Bible for various reasons, but really taking it to another level, internalizing it, is, is a whole other uh, convicting point. And so, yeah, I'm always a little bit, not jealous, jealous is probably the wrong word. Uh, very respectful of people who can rattle off chapter verse you know people with a really good memory and i can't remember who it was said to me a little while ago that you know like that's very impressive and that's you know all well and good being able to sit in a sermon when a pastor throws out a bible verse and and think of it in your mind that's all well and good but the more important quality of a believer is to know what is being said, yeah. not chapter and verse, which came in a couple of, for you and me in, in the 21st century, a couple of hundred years ago. You know, they're not, chapter and verses are not divinely inspired, right. are they? What is being said? What's Paul saying through writing to the Philippians? What's he really trying to say? You know, what's John sharing right. is more important than can you quote on demand, you know, uh, Revelation 10, let me find one, uh, verse 7, which starts with the word but. So that's great if you can quote it, but no sentences start with but. So but can you to, live it on demand? Yeah, exactly. So you need to know what, it's, know what is being said. Right. But then you're yeah, even more important, and then is, is putting it into action, isn't it? Because otherwise you're just a, a walking, talking, uh, Filofax roller. Yeah, Sorry, I'm trying to age, I'm aging myself. No, that's good. A walking, I'm talking, with you, man. Excel, no, even older Excel, uh, Google Sheets yeah. <laughs> of Bible verses, which is great, but if you yeah. don't know what they really say, if you're not going to live them, then right. it's all... We've talked about this before, about having head knowledge or heart knowledge. appropriation. Gonna, right. Gonna, do you really get it, or do you just intellectually remember it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, James. This is—it's all relevant, man. It's all relevant. It's the Word of God, and uh, I think it's been a great episode today. I'm looking forward to next time. I believe that chapter 12 puts us right about midway through the tribulation. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. We should probably read chapter 11 before we get to 12. Yeah. So I'm, oh, I'm just—I'm just, just kind of saying we're trucking through. The, yeah, we're trucking <laughs> through the tribulation. Right. And timeline-wise, we're almost to mid. It seems like we've been in Revelation. Uh, sorry, the tribulation for a long time, but the tribulation is about repentance, and that's a good word to us that we need to change our minds about how our lives are uh, today. Yeah, like we said, 
in chapter 9, six of the seven trumpets are blown. There's this interlude. Why? Until chapter 11 comes along. It's time for repentance. Because why should you repent? Because like we said, the eschatological juggernaut, yes. there is no delay and it's not stopping. And like John said, the mystery of God is going to be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. That's good. Yeah. Well, James, uh, thanks for your comments today. Sorry, been too much. No, this is great, man. This is great. I'm like, <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this and uh, and glean all the uh, wisdom from your <laughs> comments <Whatever>. today. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you've heard anything that you've liked, we would love it if you would share this with any of your friends or family. And of course, we appreciate your good ratings and comments. It helps promote this podcast so that others can get the benefit of it. See you next time.